that is Jesus. He was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. situation you're in he's right there with you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace they looked and said there's somebody else that looks like the son of God he's still doing that today he's doing it right now this morning your situation is not too big for God How many know we deserve a lot more horrible things to happen to us, but because of the grace of God, the grace of God holds back those waters to flood us. He says, Father, these are my children. So knowing what we know, that Jesus is right here with us, can we sing this again? Just sing it out to him this morning. Freely worship this morning. There's nothing holding you back. We 
we're so thankful that those of us who call ourselves children of God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives inside of us. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We thank you so much. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to stand in our place, to pay the price for us. for your grace, for your mercy. That there's somebody in the battle for us. Standing in the gap. We love you. Let's just sing that one more time. thankful for a God that's in the fire with us through every situation, through every storm, through every obstacle of our life. We know our God is there. Can we give him a hand clap of praise before we're seated this morning to let him know that we're so thankful? We want to welcome you this morning. You may be seated. We want to welcome you to Gateway Church this morning. We're very happy to see you. This is your first time. If this is your your hundredth time, no matter what situation you find yourself in this morning, we're very glad to be that you're here. We're glad to see you this morning. Just a couple of things before we get into the word today that uh, we want to make you aware of. If you look in front of your uh, pew, you'll see a little QR code. Um, this is just the way that we, to let us know that you're here. This is not about a numbers thing, but we just want to know that you are here, um, that, that we can reach out to you if this is your first time. It's, uh, it brings you to our uh, our gateway lobby is what we call it. It gives you all the information that you may need about the church. Um, it lets us know that you've been here so we can reach out to you. So if you can take time to do that for us today um, on the back of your pew. If you have any problems, you can see any of us after church and we can kind of walk you through that process um, and make that part of our, our Sunday routine. Also, we have different ways uh, in that lobby. Once you scan and check in, there's ways that you are able to give online. Uh, very simple process on that. We also have boxes in the back if you like to do it the, uh, the old-fashioned way the, to, uh, as you leave today. But we're very thankful, as I said again, that you're here. Um, we just want to bless God in every area uh, of this church uh, through our giving, through our time, through our worship, and now next is going to be the word. Uh, can we just agree with, you, with each other in prayer this morning? God, we thank you, God, for your presence that we've already felt today. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for those that are going to give today, God, and those that don't have today. God, we ask that you be able to make a way one day for them to give in the future. God, we ask that you just be able to, to bless each and every one of us today, God. Lord, we're so thankful 
that we feel your presence. And we're so thankful, not in just in this building, God, but I ask that you'd be able to allow that to overflow into our week, God. That when we leave here today, that something that was, that was spoken during our worship time or, or something that was said, God, that, that when Pastor J.W. brings forth the word, God, just be able to resonate in our spirit, God, and to change our circumstances. God, that we know that, that we go through trials and we know we're going to face things coming up, uh, maybe even bigger than what we faced last week, God. But we know that no matter what fires surround us, no matter that your word says that when we go through the water, when we go through the flames, that you are there with us. Lord, do we believe these words today? We ask that you just be with us as we continue to learn about you and continue to strengthen ourselves through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many people are thankful that uh, God has given us words to live by? Things in his word that, uh, that he says, if you'll listen to these, if you'll do these things, uh, it'll make all the difference in the world. We want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, thank you for making uh, Sunday morning, uh, uh, making us a part of your Sunday morning. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing. We're in a, uh, a seven-week series. Look at your neighbor and say, seven weeks is a long time. We're in a seven-part series that uh, will actually take us up through Palm Sunday. Uh, Easter is right around the corner. And uh, so what we started last week is, as we were looking at, there were seven statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross. Now, these are often statements that we overlook uh, because we're always, you know, gravitate toward the things, you know, when he said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself and, and all of these things that, that he's told us and that we live by. But there's actually seven statements that he made while he was on the cross that we believe can, can teach us something, that we can turn them into life lessons. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 has been the um, base for this, past, for this series. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Next slide. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finishing in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So what we're doing is, is we are doing what this passage of Scripture suggests. The first part of that, there was five words. It said, study how he did it. How many people know that if you're going to pattern your life after someone, Jesus is a good one to pattern after? And this verse says, study how he did it. Study how that he took 
these things, these seven statements, which are spread across four gospels. We looked at last week, the first thing he said, Jesus had just been put on the cross. He had just been dropped into the hole uh, where the cross would go. He was bleeding. He was in pain. He was paying for something that he didn't do, something that he didn't deserve. But the very first thing that Jesus said was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, when he looked out, I, I know that he understood that they knew exactly what they were doing. They were killing an innocent man. But I believe it was the first thing that Jesus had to say because he knew that if he was going to complete the mission, that he couldn't have resentment in his heart. He knew that if he was going to finish what the Father had sent him to do, he had to forgive those who were trying to ruin his life. And the same thing holds true in our life. There are people out there who are trying to ruin your life. They're trying to, to do everything that they can. But when it comes to those people, you have to forgive them. You have to let that go out of your heart. You can't hold on to it. It's such an important step. It's the first step and they're words of Jesus that we can live by. Today, I want to look at the second statement. If you've ever watched maybe The Passion of the Christ or, or, or something similar, you know that on that day, Jesus wasn't the only one being crucified. There was someone on his right and there was someone on his left. And Jesus was having a bad day, but his bad day coincided with two other people. Now, the people on his, the men on his right and on his left, they were criminals. And so while they're hanging there, they begin to have a conversation. And in that conversation, we find the second statement of Jesus that we're going to talk about today. That conversation can be found in Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through 43. When it says, one of the criminals who hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one on the other side rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus, with his second statement, responded, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here Jesus is in the middle of his bad day. He recognizes that there's someone on his left and someone on his right who are having a bad day too. And in that moment, one of them basically says to Jesus, I need help. So in the middle of Jesus' own struggle, he realizes that there was someone else who was also struggling. Can I tell you that there are so many people around us who are saying, I need help. There's so many people around us who are struggling. So by Jesus saying this, by Jesus doing what he did in this moment, he teaches us a second principle. And that principle that we're going to look at today is 
help others who are experiencing your same struggle. All of us need to learn that when we're having a bad day, instead of focusing on ourselves, we need to find someone we can help. We, can, we need to, to, to find someone else who is struggling as well. You say, well, pastor, why would I do that? Well, the first reason you would do that is because it will distract you from your own needs. You see, there's needs all around you. And when you take the time to focus on the needs of those around you, you know what it does? It helps you not continually think about your need. When you take the focus off of yourself and the struggle that you're going through, when Jesus was on the cross, he was going through some struggle, but he took the time to take the focus off of himself to focus on someone else. Secondly, it will help us see the solution. Have you ever noticed that when you're going through something, it is so hard to see the solution? It is so hard to see the answer. And you're going through it and, and you just can't see how you're going to get out of it. And, and, but then you find someone else who's going through something. Now, when somebody else is going through something, it's easy to see the solution, isn't it? How many times have you talked to somebody who, who has an issue and you think, oh man, it's, it's right in front of your face. This is all you need to do. This is the answer. I mean, in that moment, you become the best counselor on the planet. Because you're like, man, I, I've got this. This is what you need to do. You say, it's so easy. Can't you see it? Honestly, they can't. Because when you're in the middle of a situation, the pain, the hurt, it blinds you to the solutions. When you're in the middle of the, uh, of the, of the situation, you can't see the answer. Sometimes I'll be counseling with people. And they come to me with situations and, and, and I'm thinking, man, this is so easy. Why can't you see what you need to do? Why don't you do what you need to do? It seems so simple when it's someone else. And it seems simple because you're looking from the outside in. But when you're in the middle of it, you can't see it. There have been times I've been talking to someone and, and, and I've been telling them, this is what you need to do. And then all of a sudden, Maybe there's an issue that I'm going through and all of a sudden by, by pouring myself out to that person, I'll say, man, that's good. I need that in my life. It allows us and helps us see the solution when we focus on somebody else. The third thing it does is it allows us to put everything into perspective. How many people have a problem with putting things into perspective? When you're going through a bad day, you think it could never get any worse. When you're going through a bad day, you automatically become Eeyore. I, I had one of these moments this past Thursday. Uh, on uh, Tuesday of this week, uh, my wife and, and, and daughter and dad, we decided we were going to, uh, we planned this a couple of months ago, we we're going to fly to Denver because there was a concert there on Thursday night uh, of an artist that, that my daughter loves. And they weren't really coming anywhere close. The closest was about five hours, but, but flights are cheap to Denver, and we've been there a couple of times, and, and, and we really like it. So we thought, we're going to go. So it started out us sitting in the, 
the runway of Cincinnati for three hours before we ever took off. In that moment, I thought, it can never get any worse than this. It's, it's all smooth sailing from here. So we get there, and the concert's on Thursday. We had debated, were we going to take the train in or were we going to drive? And we thought, you know, we'd rather drive because and then we have control and then we don't have to wait on a ride back. And, and, and so we get where we can see the venue. Where the, where the uh-oh, can't have that. You'll be focusing on that all morning. We get to where we can, we're at the exit. We can see the venue where the Denver Nuggets play. Big, beautiful building. And we've bought parking, and it's at the next intersection, we have to turn left to go into the parking lot. And all of a sudden, fire trucks, ambulances, every direction. We're talking about a big city. Every direction we think, man, something's going on. So we're sitting in traffic and we're waiting and, and then a cop pulls over and blocks the intersection to where we're supposed to turn into where we're going to park. My first thought was, I've paid $20 for that parking spot. You're going to let me in there. He didn't. So I'm sitting there and I'm in Denver. I don't know where to go. Or, so we just keep driving. Well, we see another thing, parking. So we pull over there, and so there's a parking attendant there, and you know, she's gladly to take our money again. This is a different lot. I said, well, I've already paid for parking in this lot. I don't even know what that lot is. Never heard of it. So we pay her again. We get in. We research. What time does the concert start? It starts at 7. It's like 5 after 7 at this point by the time we get parked. We weren't too tore up. It was just opening acts, right? So we start getting closer to the arena because we had to walk because I don't know if I mentioned the park spot I paid for I couldn't get to. And I see all these people standing around the arena. I'm thinking, man. And they're just standing. And, and so we're trying to decide, is there a line? Is what's going on? So me being, you know, the bashful person I am, I just walk up and say, hey, what's going on? He said, well, about 30 minutes ago, there was a fire in the arena. They've made us all evacuate. And they're waiting to, to clear it out so that we can go back in. Okay. We're standing there. It's getting closer to 8 o'clock, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's a lot of people to get back in this building. And then all of a sudden, people that were in front of us, they just started walking to their cars. Uh-uh, what's going on? Oh, they've rescheduled it for next Wednesday. In that moment, I wanted everybody to know, I flew here from Ohio to see this concert. In that moment, I didn't think it could get any worse. And I looked at my wife and I said, well, this will, this will make the sermon on Sunday. And she said, why? I said, we're talking about bad days. This, this, could it get any worse? She said, it's not a bad day. I said, what do you mean? She said, we came to Denver. We got to go to Pikes Peak, the very top, where you didn't get to go last time because it was closed. We went to Estes Park, and where we didn't get to go last time, the Rocky uh, Mountain National Park, mountains. You spent time with your family. In that moment, can, can I tell you, a preacher don't like to be preached to. <laughs> I looked at her, I, I, I said, who are you? But then I began to think. The wheels started turning. I'd lost perspective. 
Because on that day, someone pretty close to me was burying their father. The truth is, it's never as bad as we think it is. And when you start to to hear other people's problems, when you start to think about the things that other people are going through, it'll bring your problems into perspective. When you do that, you begin to realize that we're a lot more blessed than we realize. We're sitting here together, listening and worshiping God while people in Ukraine are in subways, underground, hiding. That's why that we preach so much that we need to serve those who are less fortunate. Because when you do, you start to realize, I don't have it that bad after all. I'm not saying it's not bad. But when you can put everything into perspective, if when you're going through something, if you can discipline yourself to put things into perspective... In the middle of your struggle, you can help someone next to you. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10 and 11 says, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. He says, when you're going through it, if you will look at and concentrate on the afflicted, the people beside you, the people who are struggling, he says, if you will do that, then I will make your darkness seem like the noonday. We know at noon the sun is shining, things are bright. And Isaiah is saying, that's what God will do for us. And as a church, it's our desire to help you, not just for your sake, but so that you can help others. You ever heard the saying, blessed to be a blessing? So as a church, we're motivated to get you serving. We're motivated to get you active in ministry. Yes, we need your help. But there's more to it than that. Because we understand the biblical principle that when you begin to help others, when you begin to serve others, that it will also in turn help you. When you focus on others and not yourself, it helps you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, All praise to the God and the Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah. But no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand and encouraging word that also works to your benefit, spurring you on, face forward, unflinching, your hard times are also our hard times. When we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it, no doubt about it.
Now that paraphrase was a, a lot of words. But he's reminding us that when we are willing to walk alongside someone, when we're there in the good times and in the bad times, that it makes a difference. You're called by God to reach out to someone else who is struggling. You say, well, pastor, how do I do that? How can I help someone? What, what do I do? There's a couple of ways that, that God has equipped you to help people. One way is through your gifts and your passion. We do a growth track. And in that growth track, we take a spiritual gifts test and a personality test. Because we want you to help you find your gift. Because God put a gift in you, and when you do it, it helps other people. The sad reality is 87% of followers of Christ never discover what that gift is. They never figure out their purpose in life. They never figure out their gifts and their passions. But God has placed something inside of you. And when you're doing those things, you're in your element. When you're doing those things, you're helping other people. God uses your gifts and your passions. What are you passionate about? What gift has he placed in you? He wants to use that gift to help other people. The second way that God will use you is in your mess ups. Is, is, anybody, is anybody just messed up in here? Come on. All right, they were more honest in the first service than the second service. Listen, we're all messed up. We're all messed up. But so many times we think that our mess ups disqualify us. When in all actuality, it actually qualifies you. Your ministry is your mess ups. I've said it before, but there is purpose in your pain. God doesn't waste anything. And he's not going to waste your mess ups either. You look at his disciples. They were some messed up people. He didn't go to the people that thought they had it all together. He didn't go to, to, to the Pharisees or the Sadducees or, or any of those people. He went to the fishermen, the people that had anger issues, the people who had trust issues, the people who, who, who were greedy. Jesus went to them. How many people like to talk to perfect people or people who think they're perfect? No, if I'm going through something, the last thing I want to do is to go to someone who looks like they have it all together and, and looks like that everything's okay, that they're perfect. I would much rather talk to someone who's messed up, someone who has issues, someone who maybe has had the same issues that, that, that I'm struggling with. Because the thing about God is, is that he can take our bad days, he can take our mess ups, and he can use them for good. You probably have something in your past that you're ashamed of. But once it's under the blood, once you've confessed it, once you've given it to God, God can take that thing and he can turn that shame and he can use it for his glory. There's ministry in your mess ups. You say, well, how do I help people? 
What do I do with my mess-ups? What do I do with my gifts and passions? I'm going to take three things from this statement that Jesus made on the cross. The first thing that you can do for those who are struggling, for those people who are going through it, is you can offer them stability. You can offer them stability. Luke chapter 23, 43, the the first uh, five words that Jesus said, he said, assuredly, I say to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, if there's anything that I know, I know this. If there's anything I know, what I'm telling you is the truth. It's something solid. People need something solid. Everything in life is shifting. It's changing. You're sitting here and and as you're going through life, you feel the the instability of it. You feel the, the uncertainty of it. You're going through situations and and you just feel like that you're sinking. You're afraid to take that next step because you don't know if it's solid. There's one thing in life that never changes. There's an old song that says, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen, things are changing so fast. And if you try to build your life on anything else than the solid rock of of Jesus, that's what people need. They need stability. David wrote in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2. He says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. My grandfather, he could very never say a prayer without including this passage of scripture. And he would say, I'm so thankful that he picked me up out of the miry clay, is how he said it. And he set my feet on a firm foundation. We need stability. And if God does that for us in uncertain times, that's what he needs us to be and to do for people. We may not know the answer. You may not know the answer to their problem. People come to me with things sometimes like, man, I don't know. I don't have any words of wisdom. All I can do is is I can say, I can lead them to a church. I can lead them to a book. I can lead them to the word of God. I can lead them to a God that never changes. That's stability. God doesn't change. That's a promise. Culture changes. Things in life change, but God doesn't. People need to see that modeled out in your life. Stability. Even though when you're going through bad times, you seem stable. Why is that? Because you've built on a firm foundation. And we need to offer them that same stability, both through God and through us. The second thing we can learn from this statement that Jesus said is we can offer them support. 
he looked at this thief. He said, today you will be with me. Today you will be with me. People don't only want just your encouraging words. They want you to take the journey with them. It's one thing to tell somebody you'll be there for them. It's completely different to actually be there for them. And when Jesus looks at this man in the middle of his own circumstance, he says, today, I'm going to go with you. Today, you're going to walk with me. People need support. You look around and, and you see people sitting here today. Maybe you're sitting here today. And physically, you're not alone. There's other people around you. But emotionally, you're alone. Emotionally, you, you feel like that there's nobody with you. And in that moment, if you're not connected to someone, you can't do it. You can't make it. Life was not designed for you to do life alone. That is why that we promote life groups so much. I was talking to, to my wife last week about how exciting it is uh, of this semester of life groups because we're starting to see life groups work the way they're supposed to work and the way that we believe they should work. More people are getting involved. Relationships are being formed. People are building relationships that, that maybe they, they didn't know before. And it's awesome. Listen, we want to be a large church on Sundays. But the rest of the week, we want to be a small church. And we offer a, a lot of different life groups. And as you look on, on the website or downstairs or on, in, in the lobby at all the different topics, you're, you're trying to find a topic of something that you think would speak to you. And that's important. But to me, the, the topic is not the most important thing. You may not find what you're looking for. You may be trying to figure out how to defeat your Goliaths or, or, or how to, to get over your fears. But what we're really hoping is, is that while you're trying to do that, that you meet a friend. That you meet someone that can be support for you. That you develop a relationship with someone that you can be support for. This was, became very evident in, in my life last Sunday. After services last Sunday, we went to, to eat. And we had driven separate because I needed to go visit someone. Someone who had been in the hospital. And they had come home on, on Friday from Columbus and, and the hospital had told them uh, things aren't good. Two to three weeks, probably the time frame for his passing. So I leave and go to, to their house. I walk in and, and he looks at me and he says, hey, J.W., And I could tell that he was tired. To make a long story short, within the next 45 minutes, he took his last breath. 
completely unexpected in the time frame that they had been given. And here I am, having to be support for, for these people, when honestly it was really fresh for me. And the one thing that I wanted to do, after everything was said and done, after the, the funeral home had come and the coroner had come and, and we had comforted everybody, the one thing that I knew was my saving grace was I'm part of a life group at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights. Now, as pastor, you would think, man, you, you shouldn't need that, right? You, sh you should be... No. And I went to that life group. And I'll, pro I'll tell you, I... Nick, I'm sorry. I couldn't tell you one thing Nick said. But what I could tell you was that I knew that I could walk in and I could tell the people in that group what I'd been through. And I knew that they would walk with me and that they would pray with me and that they would check on me and they would be there for me. That's the beauty of life groups. You may think that, that, that you've spiritually got it all figured out, but I can promise you there's going to be times that no matter where you are in your walk with God, you're going to need somebody. And in that moment last Sunday night, when I left, was my problem gone? No, it was still there. Was the hurt gone? No, it was still there. But there was comfort and peace in knowing that I had friends that were walking with me. That were going to give me support. Ecclesiastes 4.12 puts it this way. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, chances are, if you get around people, not all of you are going to be having a bad day at the same time. You're going to, to, to be going through a bad day and they're going to come alongside of you and they're going to say, I'm here for you. I'm offering you support. I'm going to be there for you. And then there'll be other times that, that you're doing okay and they're going through a bad day. And in that moment, you're going to say, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to walk with you. We need that. And you say, well, I can't be that for people because, because I, I don't know the answer to their problem. You don't have to know the answer. They need to know that you're there and you need to be able to point them to a solution. You need to be able to give them support. You need to be able to say, I'm walking with you. Two, standing back to back, can conquer. Three are even more powerful. Saying, I'll walk with you. The last two words of Jesus' statement in Luke chapter 23, verse 43 says, in paradise. The third thing that we can do for people, because you're going to come in contact with people who do not know the solution. They do not have salvation. They've never put their trust in Christ. That was the situation for this man. But when Jesus said, assuredly, 
I say to you, today you will be with me. He said, in paradise. In that moment, Jesus was rescuing him from his situation. The literal word paradise means a resting place. Jesus was saying, I know that, that, that it's tough right now. I know that, that the pain is, is excruciating. But the word that Jesus uses there says, today you're going to a resting place. He offers the man something that he needed to hear. Jesus says, I know it's tough right now. As a matter of fact, if you haven't noticed, I'm having a rough day myself. But heaven is coming. You see, the Bible talks about heaven and views heaven in a different way than most of us do today. Because let's be honest, a lot of us sing the song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. But in, in the Bible, it says it's a place that, that we should long for. But while we're walking here on earth, we have the mindset that God is supposed to fix everything now and, and here. And often He does. But there's sometimes that He doesn't. But what we have to know is, is there's something better for us. There's something that's better than anything here. You see, oftentimes Jesus didn't fix their now moment, but he would redirect their focus. He does that in John chapter 14. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus is saying, I know it looks bad now, but don't worry about it. He's saying, because there's a, a place in your future. Now, we know that, that God sent his son, Jesus, to pay for our sins. And we know that there's power in the name of Jesus. And we know that, that that power works for our problems and our situations. And when we're going through a bad day, when people are going through a, a bad day, we're going to stand with them. We're going to believe that God will bring a solution to their situation. But ultimately, we understand that, that there's something better. We understand that, that, that in, in just a little while, we're all going to another place. A place where there's no crying, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more bills. Can somebody say amen? After spending a week in Denver, no more traffic. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we need to understand that we're just passing through. This world is not our home. Listen, this life is difficult. This life is hard. This life will beat you down. You say, Pastor, you should be more positive. I am positive. I'm positive that this life is hard. That it's difficult. And I know that there's, there's some of you sitting here today that, that you're going through a difficult time right now. 
You're going through, through situations that are hard. But Jesus offers more than a better now. He offers a better place. And to any person that is struggling, when you look at them and say, I'm going to give you stability, when you look at them and say, I'm going to walk with you, you also need to be able to look at them and say, you need Jesus. Because there's people in your life who don't have him. There's people in your life who are looking for a solution. And the Bible says, how will they ever know if we don't tell them? The best gift you could ever offer someone is pointing them to the one who can give them salvation. God loves you. You're sitting here today. God loves you. God cares about what you're going through. But I can say without hesitation that these principles work. If you give your life for others, God will meet you in the middle of that situation. If you'll put these principles into practice, if you'll start serving others, do it and just see what God does. It's a principle that will change your life. There are people here that you walked in here and you're smiling on the outside. You sat downstairs and, and drank coffee and ate Mountain Dew cake and, and you put on a fake smile. And, but on the inside, you're a mess. On the inside, you're, you're broken. You're hurting. If you're in that situation and, and you don't know Christ, today I want to point you toward Him. Today I want to, to give you the opportunity to anchor yourself to His unchanging nature. Today I want to, to, to allow you to know that I may not have the answer. The person you were sitting with downstairs may not have the answer. but we know where the answer comes from. And that's through Christ. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that you can anchor yourself to Him. And so if that's you this morning, you've never made a decision and you're trying to, to navigate this life without Him. The first step is asking Him to take control. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would there be anyone here? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to, I'm offering you some stability today. Is there anyone here that say, Pastor, I've never made that decision. I've tried to walk the walk, and, and, and I've tried, and, and I may have some people fooled, but, but I've never truly 
ask him to come into my life. Would there be anyone here? Thank you. Anyone else? We're going to pray this prayer. Pray it with me. Father, forgive me. God, I know I'm a mess up. I know I've made mistakes. But God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe that you came and walked this earth. That you were crucified on a, on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. That you were put in a tomb. That three days later you walked out of. And God, it's that resurrecting power. God, I thank you for your grace. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for your promise that there's a better place than here that I can go. In Jesus' name. Your head's still bowed. You may be sitting here today and say, Pastor, I've, I've made a decision to follow Christ, but I'm in turmoil right now. My life has been turned upside down. Maybe it was by something, by your doing. Maybe it was something that you had no control over, but nevertheless, your life is upside down. You're hurting. You don't know how it's going to work out. You feel all alone. Would there be one here today that says, that's me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's me, thank you. There's no embarrassment in admitting that because you know what? We've all been there. We've all had those moments. Would there be anybody else? Pastor, I'm, I, I thank you. Pastor, I, I need to go back and find that stability. Pastor, I, I need to, to find some people and get around some people who will stand back to back with me, who will walk beside me. I'm going to ask you to stand. And here's how we're going to close this service. This altar is always open. From the time these doors are open until the time we close them, this altar is open. And so if you raised your hand today and you want to declare, I'm going through it and I don't care who knows. I'm going through it, and I understand that I can't do it on my own. 
I want to give you the opportunity to come and stand or kneel around this altar. And when you do that, I promise you that you're going to have people to come and agree with you, pray with you, stand with you. You say, well, if I, if I do that, I, I, I'm showing my weakness. It's not a weakness. It's the truth. So as I pray, as Pastor Nick begins to sing, if you would like to come down and declare on Christ the solid rock I stand, I want to give you that opportunity so that we can pray with you, our prayer team can pray with you, so that you can know that people are walking with you. Don't let pride and don't let the enemy take this moment from you because God wants to do something in your life. So as I pray, don't hesitate. Father, I come before you today. God, you see every hand that was raised here. God, you know every situation. God, I know that right now the enemy is, is whispering into our ears. God, I understand that it's because he doesn't want us to be free. He doesn't want us to, to understand this principle. Father, I pray right now, God, through your Holy Spirit, that you will do something in our lives that only you can do. God, we may not have the answer, but God, we know that you are the answer. Father, we point to you, the author and finisher of our faith. God, we put our hope and our trust and our confidence in you. Father, you know every situation. God, you know every hand that was raised here right now. God, you know what they're going through. And I come against every demonic spirit that would try to keep them and keep us from being free. God, I come against the, the spirit of pride. God, you've told us that pride comes before the fall. Father, I thank you that you love us so much. As they sing and, and they pray around the altar, I'm going to ask you to do something else. I'm going to ask you to put into practice what we talked about. You may be going through something right now. It may seem like that it's going to overwhelm you, but I'm going to ask you to do something. There's a person on your right or a person on your left or maybe a person that you just know across the room. I'm going to ask you instead of praying for yourself, pray for them. Instead of focusing on your own need, pray for them. And then let them know that you're praying for them. And if you'll do that, 
I believe God will meet you in the middle of your situation. So right now, let's pray. Father, I come before you. God, not for myself. But God, for those other people that are around me that I know are struggling. That I know that are going through things. And Father, I pray right now that you will speak peace and comfort in the midst of their storm. God, even though I'm going through it. God, even though I'm hurting. Just as Jesus was on that cross. God, allow me to focus on others. Knowing that's what you've called me to do. God, I know that you're in control. And I know that you are doing a work in their lives that no man can do. And Father, I pray right now, God, give us peace and comfort to know that you're walking with us and that you've placed people around us that we're not alone. People that we can connect with, that will cry with us, that will hurt with us, that will rejoice with us. Father, we know it's only because of your love, your grace, your mercy. Can you declare that this morning? He loves you. He doesn't care about your mess-ups. He loves you. He doesn't care how many times you've made mistakes. He loves you. Declare it in song this morning. Oh.
love me, sing that. Yes, you love me. How many people were glad that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? And can I tell you that it doesn't end there? He not only offers you salvation, but he says, I'm going to walk with you. There's nothing that you go through that he hasn't experienced. And sometimes he places people in our lives to be his hands and his feet. So let me encourage you, if you come and prayed or you prayed or you're going through something, find someone who can walk with you. And I promise you, back to back, you can conquer. A triple rated cord is not easily broken. We love you. Have a great, great Sunday. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. If you're a regular, thank you for being here. We're excited about what God is doing. Don't forget life groups. If you want to see what they are out in the lobby, downstairs, on the counter, uh, the website, we'd love to get you plugged in. It's not too late. Have a great Sunday.